tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Last POW, Cop Assault, Murderer McNair, and Witness for the Prosecution. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, Chris, so you said you had something to talk about at the beginning. Yeah, I I did, and it's actually tangentially related to the first segment that we're going to talk about, but we're actually recording on Memorial Day. We are. Of... uh, uh, it's a bank holiday in the U.S., um, and it is when we remember uh, fallen uh, soldiers, and that's actually going to come up <laughs> in a couple of minutes yes. um, when we get into our first uh, segment of Unsolved Mysteries. But um, it, for those of you in the U.S., uh, or not in the U.S., rather, uh, this is also like the unofficial start of summer. And it also means that you can, uh, most people are like cooking out either this weekend or they're doing it today. So I, I've seen a lot of like discourse about what to bring to the cookout. And I was wondering, Robbie, if you're going to a barbecue, like ultimate fantasy barbecue, you're going over to somebody's house. What are your draft picks for like dishes that you need to see at the, at the cookout, at the barbecue? Oh, dishes that I need to see. Um... Well, maybe there's like a salad category. Maybe there's like a grilled meat category. Maybe there's like a bread or sweets category. Um, You know, just think about it that way. Right. For you personally, your choices. Well, the thing is, is I kind of feel that there's uh, it's all part of a system. So, you know, Mm -hmm. one part, what affects one part affects the others. And uh huh. Okay. And so, like, I mean, not on its own, I'm not really a potato salad, you know, kind of person. Interesting. Okay. But if there okay. is yeah. a meat that's like just like drenched in barbecue sauce, then mm-hmm. like I must have potato salad with it. Okay. The, like they, they, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, I understand. I, no, I completely understand because the barbecue sauce is very vinegary and very sweet, whereas potato salad is very uh, creamy and uh, can be a little tart sometimes, depending on what people put in it. But yeah, they kind of help balance each other for sure. Pre- precisely. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like having chips with some sort of dip available. I, I guess I'm more of a okay. more of a you know conventional chip with the the French the the, the French onion dip or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. More more so. So you're, so you're saying like potato chip? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, you know, tortilla chips and salsa is is fine, but it's mm-hmm. uh, for a barbecue. I, I want like potato chips. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, the in terms of the 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 what's on the grill, I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, like ribs sound really appealing. Just just mm-hmm. just you know, falls off the bones, ribs. But man, hamburgers are great. Um, you know, sausage like like some some like 
you know, some of that like hot link sort of sausage would be, would be cool. Mm-hmm. Hot dogs are mm-hmm. okay, but I'm not really a, a huge fan. <laughs> like, having, ha- I mean, having them in addition to the hamburgers is, is fine because then you can mm-hmm. get one of each. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for dessert, uh, uh, I, I, w- I would like for them to bring out like the all the boxes of uh, <laughs> vanilla vanilla ice cream so I can have like. 12 pounds of vanilla ice cream like uh, as as i mentioned in that episode a few years ago but um if not that you know it did uh, mm-hmm. well i mean heck as long as there's just like lots of different things and lots of it and i can just like gorge mm-hmm. myself that's really mm-hmm. the what i'm asking for how about yourself are are you <laughs> <laughs> so you see, so you don't so you don't seem to have like hard and fast rules about like what needs to be at the cookout well um for memorial day specifically uh i mean it just like it has to i it's probably less about like the you know which individual items so much as you know, it had there has to be a n- number of different dishes. Like if I go to a barbecue and they're making like, you know, they're making mm-hmm. hamburgers or whatever on on the grill. Yeah. I mean, whatever. And, but the only like the only thing they have to eat in addition to that is like a f- fucking vegetable tray. <laughs> Fuck off! That that's that's not what I. Yeah, no, that's that's really fucked. Like you need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I am leaving. <laughs> I, in fact, a coworker yeah. of mine was talking about like, cause she, she's, uh, she's in a relationship with some guy who comes from like, I guess, a uh, a very upper class family. And like, she mm-hmm. was over at their place for a barbecue or maybe it was more like just, some... I feel like I know where this is going to go. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it was just actually more like some sort of holiday party or something, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it was just like, you know, where's, where's the, where, you know, the table with the food? Oh, there it is. It's like, and what it has is, um, like, uh, uh, some, you know, like, not like Cheetos, but like a white cheese devoid of taste version of Cheetos, uh, sort of thing. Uh, and oh. some pop, like. Okay. Some plain popcorn that uh, was that uh-huh. and, and stuff, and like that's uh-huh. that was it. And she she was just like, God, I'm starving. So she actually like yeah. She she during a, a a period of time in which she wouldn't necessarily be missed. She quickly got in her car, left, go went to McDonald's and got a couple of hamburgers <laughs> before going back to the party. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's here's the thing. Um, you know, I have learned I've been to some cookouts now enough in Southern California, and it goes very differently than the type of uh, barbecues and cookouts I was doing in like Reno or Nor- Northern California. Okay. And I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's like a regional but predominantly these have been yeah but predominantly these in southern california have been at a uh, caucasian person's home so okay. i don't know if that factors into it um almost certainly so... it does <laughs> <laughs> 
You guys need to like get some diversity <laughs> barbecues down here. Um, so th- that's what I try to bring, right? I'm trying to bring when I bring food, but you know, for me, like what I'm looking for, um, I, you know, more power to you if you are doing the ribs or the pulled pork and you're doing like really getting into the smoked meats, like oh, you've really yeah. put the time into it, like m- more power to you. But I would be perfectly happy. My favorite kind of hamburger is the one that someone makes at home on their grill. Like that's going to be any restaurant, any fast food burger for me is just the one that someone made with their hands and put it on their grill. So for me, I'm looking, I'm looking just for a real basic cheeseburger hamburger situation. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Love a hot dog on the grill. Love a hot dog, especially like an all beef one. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I I'll go straight for that. <laughs> <laughs> the barbecue, like, but I love. I just love hot dogs <laughs> a lot. Um, like, I don't need all that smoked meat stuff. Like, you, that's beautiful if you're doing that, but that's I don't think essential. And people, and that's easier to screw up too. I think right, unless you have a lot of experience doing that. So I'm like, I'm looking for the hamburger. I'm looking for the hot dog. I'm I am looking for the potato salad now. <sighs> I'm sighing deeply here because I learned very quickly to not bring mayo based salads to Southern California cookouts or barbecues. Okay. Because these freaks won't eat that shit. (laughs) Really? And I know it's, yeah. And I know it's not because my, the potato salad I've brought, well, sometimes I've, sometimes I've brought like store-bought potato salad and it was like not that good. So I don't blame them, but sometimes I've made like potato salad and like no one eats it. And I know, I know this is just like a white person, Southern California cookout thing. Cause I've brought that same potato salad to like a work function and my work is significantly more diverse <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> these barbecues I'm going to, and people ate that shit up. They were like, "Give me the recipe. I love this." So I kn- I know this is definitely like, it's probably it's also probably another like class thing too. Mm, yeah, because could be. yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, because like, I think upper middle class white people are scared of flavor. <laughs> Not really <laughs> sure what is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but they seem to be frightened of it. I don't know what's happening. That probably explains the popcorn as a side dish thing. Um, chips and chips and salsa for me. That's what I need. Um, but I totally respect like a decadent dip. Mm. I think probably the only time I'm eating like a creamy dip and a potato chip is like at someone else's barbecue. Cause it's not something I would ever purchase. Yeah. Same. From my home. It, it, it is the same yeah. with me. Yes. In a, in a beautifully ripe cut watermelon. Is also what I'm looking for. Unfortunately, for my Memorial Day. Unfortunately, I have to confess, I am not a watermelon person. Um, now, it's really hard to get good ones. It's really, really difficult. Melon is like the margin of error on any melon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is good, so wide. Good, good, good. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, you're 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 just you're rolling dice when you buy a watermelon. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You, you can try. Um, you can try like. Knocking on it, shaking it, trying to like figure out like, is this a good mm-hmm. one? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, but I, I just, but, but, <laughs> but, but, I just, I'm laughing also because we've just spent like 11 minutes talking about barbecue food. 
Now, and like this could easily be the rest of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think Charles Shelton's family would have thrown him a barbecue if he had been able to return home? (laughs) You know what? Um, I I (laughs) think yeah, if he had made it home. Otherwise, I imagine that Memorial Day may have been a very difficult holiday. (laughs) Oh God! Shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. For uh, Charles Shelton's family. So hey, should we maybe talk about uh, Unsolved Mysteries season five, episode nine? Yes, let's talk about Unsolved Mysteries (laughs) season five, episode nine. Uh, the first segment, uh, it, it's quite a coincidence because we are recording this episode, as Crystal mentioned, on Memorial Day. And the episode of Unsolved Mysteries we're watching starts with Robert Stack introducing the episode as airing on Veterans Day. Oh, interesting. But I I think this is like actually a more appropriate Memorial Day segment, not a Veterans Day one. Well, yes, not to... Uh, not to spoil it, but when we get to the end of the, the segment, it, it's, it starts to become more of a Memorial Day segment than the Veterans Day segment. Um, but yeah, it centers on an American Air Force, Force colonel named Charles Shelton. Uh, he had a wife named Marion. Um, they were married in the 50s. Uh, and the segment actually starts with a, a funeral and a, a, a veterans uh, cemetery and you think that like oh they're they're laying charles shelton's remains to rest but no it's marion uh i guess she's being married uh buried um because it has all these military personnel present and the thing is is that you'll find out that she became a real crusader on the um issue of pow's uh unaccounted for pow's and missing in action personnel in Vietnam. Uh, Charles Shelton, he was a pilot and he was, uh, he was, he was involved in Vietnam before it was even on people's radars. He was there in the early sixties teaching Vietnamese pilots how to fly. And in the mid sixties, he was sent on a photo reconnaissance mission over Laos and was shot down. Um, uh, and he was not rescued. And so the thrust of this segment is sort of, you know, the ambiguous status of uh, of him. We've encountered this before where the, the families have to go through the anguish of, you know, the, the person is not acknowledged as either being alive or dead. And so we have this reenactment of... Him saying goodbye to his family at uh, Okinawa before he he flies off. He has him and Marion had five kids. We're treated to like one of those pictures of family pictures where I don't know. I guess like mm. the picture is black and white, but they add color to it after the picture's been mm-hmm. developed. Um, yeah, there's a name for I've actually done that before, but I don't remember yeah. the name. Of that, but usually, like an artist will like go and paint over. Right, you, you see, you see it sort of like in some of the first pictures of the intro sequence to Growing Pains. Um, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> it's funny because when I had that thought upon seeing the picture, we then get a reenactment of Charles taking the family picture, uh, on a uh, you know, setting up a little camera, 
and 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 running over to to join the rest of the family before the camera t- snaps and it just reminded me of of the other component of the opening of growing pains when they're all standing in front of, in front of the house <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know he's, he's kissing marion's neck and stuff and it's like oh i mean you, you could uh, i i was i was hearing the growing pains theme playing playing over it so i mean you could have had i mean Alan Thicke could have been playing uh, uh, Charles at, at this point, but easily, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, they have sort of similarly sized big heads, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I don't mean that as a a slight or an insult. Just you know, Charles has like a very prominent, like you know, he looks like a colonel sort of uh, a thing with that jawline mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, yeah, Charles was shot down. And uh, they sort of uh, they have like reenactment of him hiding out on the hillside. Uh, he's he's waiting on the uh, like for three days for a pickup that just doesn't happen. And so then he's they, they sort of have a reenactment of the guy playing him going through the woods. And they have this like depiction of him being captured. And it's it's so wonderfully shot because like. It stopped. He stops at some point and the camera pans around to like a pair of eyes looking through <laughs> through uh, an opening in the brush, <laughs> which I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think his actual capture was probably anywhere near as dramatic. I think they just like they saw him in the field or something and just, you know, he saw them come in and he got captured. But they make it really tense um, and he gets uh, he gets uh, taken prisoner the Robert Stack narration talks about how through sort of like, cause he was, you know, a uncooperative prisoner, you know, the, uh, I'm sure he was just giving them his name, rank and serial number and, or maybe not even that, but, you know, just, you know, not, not divulging information and withstanding who knows what they are throwing at him. And they talk about how like his, his captors kind of had a, a developed a sort of grudging respect for him. They also mentioned that like he he went limp because one one of the one of his captors was also selling that, selling information to the CIA, uh, and so that like they they have a, in the reenactment like four or five guys are having to carry him around, and I don't know like I mean it's I think it's absolutely right to not cooperate with your captors and to to try to escape as many times as possible, which is what he did. Cause that way you're, you're, um, uh, you're, you're forcing the enemy to devote manpower to try, trying to find and capture you, but going limp and forcing them to carry you back to wherever you're, you're, you're going to be held prisoner. I don't know. That, that seems like a step too far to me. Cause I mean, if I, if, well, if I was one of his captors, there's probably no thing he could have done that would have irritated, you know, made me uh, uh, more inclined to be abusive than that. Like, I mean, I mean, it's very it's like something a toddler would do. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you know, when you're when you're pri- like prisoner, you shouldn't you know, you shouldn't be tortured. You, you shouldn't be sub- subjected to certain things. But I feel like I feel like it's a two way street. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be going limp and forcing them to carry around. Like you can walk to wherever it is that they're going to like flock you up. I'm not just my thought on the matter. 
Just just Robbie's two cents on being a captured POW, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, then, that's that's funny. Yeah. And we have a we have a cut to back in the States where there was a um because Charles, it was his birthday, but he wasn't present. So that, but the family was having a birthday party for him in his absence. And it's funny you mentioned that mm-hmm. the, the you know, like when you talked about um, uh, what's what's appropriate at a barbecue. Because at this birthday party, mm-hmm. we get like in the reenactment, we see a cake uh, that mm-hmm. says "Happy Birthday, Charles." We see a bowl of. I believe pretzels, but it's kind of interesting because they're not like complete pretzels. They're just like, just rounds. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you like know. Like little rings, like pretzel rings. Yeah. Rings and shit, you know, not shaped circular, but shaped like the, di- the component parts of a pretzel, just individualized. Just broken pretzels. Yeah. And so there's a little bowl of that, a little bowl of carrot slices and then a bowl of punch and uh-huh. I gotta tell you, if I showed up to a birthday party and this is what was on the table, I would t- probably take mm-hmm. like a handful of those pretzels, wolf them down, drink two or three things mm-hmm. of the that punch, and just sort of make a discreet exit at that point. Because <laughs> that is not a that is not a a, a cool spread at by in, in any way. Yeah, I'm wondering though. They're at this point. They're still in Okinawa, right? Oh yeah, that's uh, that must be true. So I'm wondering if like the the traditional American snack foods are not on the base, maybe a little hard to come by <laughs> at that point in time. <laughs> that's a fair point, and unfortunately, yeah, I mean, they, if they'd wanted like some takoyaki or something like that, they might have been in business. But as far as pretzels go, maybe it was just kind of like not a great selection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, and then so uh, we get uh, a dramatic sort of, you know, the his wife, Charles's wife, Marion, she sees two two officers walking from the, the front of the house to through the, the through all the kids and craziness happening at the party. Mm-hmm. And they give her the the unfortunate news that her husband's been shot down, but with the hopeful hook that like they've been in radio contact with them. So, I mean, he's not dead. And presumably he's going to be, you know, I mean, you at that point you're thinking, oh, surely they'll they'll rescue him. Um, mm. Yeah. And uh, then but unfortunately we get uh, later we get a little reenactment of Marion opening up a box uh, of her husband's mm-hmm. stuff. And she discovers that all the stuff that he would have carried with him on an actual Air Force mission, his dog tags and all this, they mm-hmm. were left behind. Because he w- mm-hmm. And when she got some film developed in his role of camera, a picture he'd taken just a few days before the mission, he was wearing a, there's a, like a sort of non-discreet uniform that doesn't identify mm-hmm. you as being a U.S. military personnel. And so we get the setup that this is going to be a situation where, yeah, he's been captured, but they're, the government's not even going to acknowledge <laughs> that, that, yeah. that that's well, the case. Can, can, we, uh, can we pause right here? Because I wanted to say something that was like kind of really glazed over in the Unsolved Mysteries segment. Okay. So this is my conjecture. 
Our, that I'm throwing here. They do mention that he was shot down over Laos, right? And yeah. if you remember during the Vietnam War, we weren't um, fighting with Laos. So that would be weird. Why would he be over Laos? Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, right. So there was, uh, uh, Robbie, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was kind of at the, afterwards, it was sort of deemed the secret war mm-hmm. um, in, in Laos. And um, <clears throat> American. Uh, military dropped more bombs in terms of tonnage on Laos during the Vietnam War than they did in Vietnam. And so there's more like just laying around in Laos, there's more shrapnel and bomb material than there is in Vietnam. I mean, it's like everywhere Mm -hmm. uh, there. So, but the American public was not a party to that whole campaign that was going on for a number of years. Yeah. So just that's my conjecture i wanted to add unsolved mysteries doesn't really get into it it does get into the fact that whatever he was doing was very secret right well yeah because because i mean they do mention that laos was officially a neutral country but yeah the thing is is the ho chi Minh trail ran through uh, quite a bit of laos so i mean uh the north Vietnamese were in laos we were in laos we were basically fighting it out in laos and um uh Good, 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 good luck if you're living in Laos, right? Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we, <laughs> then we have a uh, a reenactment of the family watching uh, Nixon uh, announcing the the Paris Peace Accords, and the the family, you know, they're the kids are much older now because it's been God, it's been not quite a decade since he was Charles was shot down. Mm-hmm. And they're they're given to understand like okay there's going to be two lists uh, 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 the names of you know there's going to be the people who were uh, captured and they're coming home and then there's going to be the people who were captured but you know they died in captivity or whatever and they're not going to be coming home and the Charles one of Charles's sons I think the eldest son. Who, uh, when they when they're interviewing him in the present day, he's uh, he's actually a priest now. Uh, that's that, that was interesting. Uh, he yeah, it was yeah. I thought yeah, and unremarked upon. I recall <laughs> he was just in his priest outfit, just in his priest. I mean, I guess you know that's that's what he wears. So, <laughs> um, and he comments that like because they get a phone call late at night on the day that the, all the phone calls are supposed to be being made. And uh, th- their phone call is that he's not that Charles isn't going to be the one one of the ones coming home, which he describes that there's, you know, there was grief am- amongst the family. But at the same time, uh, you know, a bit of relief because you had had this big question mark for years. And now you've gotten at least you, you believe you've gotten some sort of resolution. But but Marion, like she continues to, to try to investigate because. Um, we get a description of several different things because after South Vietnam fell, there was uh, quite a few refugees fr- from the country and some of them were um, uh, giving information, uh, ha- had information about um, captured POWs and, and whatnot. Now some, I, I assume the government kind of uh, kept this close to the chest, both for, I, I think the, reasons we've already discussed but then also i can imagine that some of these people were just like i'm sure there was some people were just like making stuff up because they felt like it would might 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 help their case and trying to like get into the united states 
if they uh, they seem to have mm-hmm. some useful information. That's really interesting because I was trying to figure out like there there were all these stories like what would be the incentive to make that up, and I guess if you had information on American POWs and their location, that would be a, a card that you could play to try to help. With, yeah, yeah, your inmate. Uh, I yeah, I, I, that's that's what my suspicion would be at least. Um, mm-hmm. And so, Freedom of Information Act. She she finds pe- like individuals who who are like specifically citing her her husband's name. So she actually travels to Southeast Asia to like talk with people and try to track down information. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on well, she went she went before FOIA or Freedom of oh. Information Act was ever passed. She went months just months after the end of the Vietnam War. She was there in 1973. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 She was there right after it ended. Like that to me is pretty ballsy. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, she, you know what? We're going in. Yeah. This is like, um, what was that movie with Gene Hackman where he puts together a team to go rescue his son who's being held captive either in Vietnam or some fictionalized uh, case. Um, uh-huh. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> pr- prisoner. Of, no, not, it wouldn't be prisoner of war. Uh, yeah, they're, they're like he his son is is, is captive. So he, he, he puts together this team. They go rescue his uh-huh. his, his son. Um, maybe it's called missing in action. I don't know. But like it kind of like this is <laughs> uh, she Marion is just really dogged on this to the point where like if mm-hmm. during the segment they had talked about that she had actually recruited a team <laughs> and they actually conducted a raid or something. Yeah. I, I would I would fully like not be surprised to see her with like a helmet and a and a, a rifle, <laughs> you know, be, being part of the o- o- operation. She is I mean. Wow, she she is obviously she 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 obviously truly you know loved her husband because she's really trying to get him back, um, mm-hmm. and so we get this like this uh, this one reenactment of like um, uh, Charles was I guess handed over for, by the like Leo Laotian communist to like the North Vietnamese. Um, they have like a little scene in the reenactment where he's brought into a room and this like officer's like, Oh, I've heard of you. And, uh, one of the guards is, you know, trying to make him, uh, uh, get down on his knees. And he, he does this escape, you know, where he flips over the table and he, he beats up the two guards and he beats up the officer. And I guess, According to the information that was disseminated uh, uh, from these refugees, like he had killed killed everyone in the room before he was captured again, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was like uh, he goes like freaking Bruce Willis on these guys like totally. Uh, he- or maybe I don't know. Now, Bruce Willis is kind of an old reference. How about John Wick? <laughs> Because kind of John Wick. <laughs> John Wick, guys. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, totally, he, go, he goes John Wick on them. Um, and then, so we have the the remainder of the segment. It sort of it concerns Marion's efforts to to you know bring attention to this. She she actually goes uh, before this. Um, uh, wasn't a tribunal. It was a. Like a, a board of Air Force officers mm-hmm. where she's making the case like yeah. there is enough out there to indicate that my husband may not necessarily be dead. 
and it would really help me in, in trying to locate him if you guys would stop saying he's dead because I, you know, like she, she said, she recounts talking with like the North Vietnamese who are like, look, what are you, wait, why are you asking this us about this? Your own government says he's dead. Um, and the, the board, like, I guess her lawyer or something was like, yeah, I don't think the board really understood burden of proof or whatever. Cause they're just like, well, she doesn't have any proof he's alive. So, mm-hmm. um, we're just, we're not going to give her the proof that he's alive until she can show us the proof that he's alive. Uh, right. It kind of plays out like that. And they so they have this dramatic moment where the one member of the board's reading out what their decision on his status is, and he you know he announces uh, that they yeah that he can that Charles can re- reasonably be presumed dead, and we get this dramatic chord that plays, and the the actress who's playing Marion in the reenactment sort of. She does the thing where she she's standing and she just slowly sinks down into her seat. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, I I think this is we got some really high quality reenactment material here. Like, if you had like, oh, yeah. if you if you had like taken you know the the actors involved with this and just like made an hour and a half movie about it, uh, and mm-hmm. you could have like using everything that we you know we have in the reenactment, you could have called it you know. Uh, it could have just been like a a, a lifetime movie, um, you know, left behind the Charles Shelton yeah. story. Uh. <laughs> Going with the left behind franchise, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not trying to say it's canonically related to the to the Kirk Cameron crazy uh, uh, religious <laughs> movies. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. But I mean, the thing was, is it was either that or behind behind enemy lines but then that's the that's the name of the luke the owen luke wilson where he's the pilot and Mm -hmm. gene hackman's i think it was owen wilson yeah (laughs) and gene hackman's the uh the um admiral his dad (laughs) right Uh, right the admiral (laughs) there's been two i guess uh, yeah there's there's two there's two separate movies with gene hackman involved trying to rescue military personnel um yeah so and then we get uh, an unfortunate bit of information about marion you know that she'd been suffering from well i guess alcoholic issues and then she she actually ended up committing suicide but in 1990 it's just Mm -hmm. uh super tragic uh, we get some more footage of of the funeral, and then uh, for an update, I guess after a number of years, her uh, the kids were like, "Look, you can probably just mark her dad as dead at this point." And then they they yeah had a uh, military type funeral for him. Um, mm. So uh, I think I think probably after all that, the kids needed the closure yeah yeah you know, so they sure. gave it to themselves yeah by going to the military and saying just declare him killed in action right because yeah that um it's been almost their their whole lives with their their dad and in, in this weird limbo status then there were there was a, a great excerpt of because i guess at one point marion was on donahue uh, as part of her yeah <laughs> i noticed that yeah yeah so 
Um, but yeah, there you have it. Well, Rami, I we were uh, sort of chatting before we started recording about the segment, and I thought it was really compelling. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great segment. Um, I don't really understand what the unsolved mystery is here <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing that the audience could come forth or. Unless, unless to my knowledge unsolved mysteries was not airing in laos right right I was gonna- <laughs> do you know what i'm saying so there's nothing that the the audience could have come forth with to say hey i have evidence of um you know there seemed to be a lot of conjecture about uh from the family about po pow's in other circumstances, not this one, yeah, uh, being released decades after the war, and they gave Russia as an example. Um, Russia giving back uh, J- Japanese soldiers, or is that the other way around? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give Russia giving back Japanese POWs from World War um, II. Same thing yeah. with uh, with uh, I want to say somebody giving back French soldiers. Oh, as well. I think v- just Vietnam um, giving back French soldiers. Oh, okay. yeah, from their from the colonial uh, struggle. Yeah. And I think given the timing of when uh, Richard, is it Richard Shelton? Charles Shelton. Charles I'm Shelton. sorry. Yeah. It's Richard Shelton. Why is that name in my brain? Charles Shelton was shot down very early comparatively yes. in the war. And, um, you know, for him to have actually made it all the way through to the end is pretty doubtful, I think. Um you know, if we look at a situation, I'm just going to mention John McCain, right? He was, I think he was in a POW camp for two to three years. Is that right? Yeah, I think that, Before, yeah, that sort of time span. Yeah. Yeah. So he was presumably captured sometime in like 1970, 1971 before being released. Um, and I just think the timing of it, because it was so early in the war, uh, it probably just the likelihood of him even surviving t- to the end of the war is probably pretty low, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, I really, I thought this would, would have been a great, like, 60 minutes or 2020, like, news segment. <laughs> um, I don't really know how it's an unsolved mystery. I think it's an important story to tell, for sure. I just don't really know how it belonged in this sort of unsolved mysteries. Before, when we had POWs that they thought were still alive, there was an actual call to action, if yeah. I recall. Which is if you know anything or if you've seen this person, um, but it pretty much ended the same way with that person being declared killed in action. So mm-hmm. I I I wonder what the, I wonder in the context of unsolved mysteries what the point of this was. They needed something for Veterans Day. I, I don't know. Uh, I the, I guess I mean the, by by the end of the segment, like you say, it becomes more of a Memorial Day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. It's definitely a Memorial Day segment. It's not really a Veterans Day mystery, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's a a sad story, too. It's very tragic. Maybe they're anticipating at some point being on in Southeast Asia in the syndicated capacity. Um, I don't know. Have (laughs) have we – I'm trying to remember. Have we had any listeners from uh, – I'm going to look that up actually right now. Sort of. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing we we've had some listeners in Japan and Korea. 
yeah. previously, but I don't recall seeing any. I mean, I certainly don't know what the podcast scene is in Southeast Asia. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I yeah I def- I'm inclined to believe that at the time when Unsolved Mysteries was airing, it probably was not airing in that part of the world, simply because the translation or internationals, as they call it, would have cost a lot of money. money yeah, uh, we had so. 23 listens in Thailand throughout throughout the entirety oh. of our program. Um, wow! And oh. Oh, 17, hmm? 17 listens in Vietnam. Wow. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of, the fact that like, that's far fewer than like our total number of episodes suggests to me that perhaps mm-hmm. someone was just on a business or vacation trip to Vietnam and was just listening mm, to the podcast yes. while there. And then the trip ended and they came back, went back to their country of origin. Um, yeah. Um, if that was you, <laughs> please let us know <laughs> yeah. how your trip to Vietnam was. I'd love to visit. Right. It must be really fascinating. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I think it's probably time to visit somewhere a little closer to home, though. And that place, that place is Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. So back, way back in 1984. Hey, that's the year I was born. Um, you know, weirdly... This week, Dave and I have been, we've been watching some movies, and two of the movies that we happened to pick were from 1984. What were, and, what were uh, the movies? We we watched Footloose. Okay. Which I'd never seen before. Um, oh. And it's, pr- like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Holds up. I mean, there's some there's some silliness to it, but otherwise, it's actually a pretty like deep drama about small town life and acceptance and mm-hmm. um, grief. It is a story of grief. Like, guys, watch Footloose again. <laughs> like, revisit that movie. Yeah. Um, and then what was the other one that we watched from 1984? Shoot, I, I'll I'll remember it later. But it was also a a real good one that held up. And I was like, well, that was a oh we uh, we rewatched. Um, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. Which we've both seen before. <laughs> and I'm like, 1984, heck of a year for movies, just based on those two alone. Like, mm-hmm. they were both great and they held up. And I think, didn't the Karate Kid come out in like 84, 85? Oh, sh- well? um, it might have been 86. You know, I almost want to say I feel like it came out even before that. Uh, oh, really? I am. Uh, no, shit. You are right, Crystal. It's 84. Well, just another another great film. So ba- from nineteen eighty four. So basically, like, man, yeah, if it was nineteen eighty four, you could be, you know, if you're around at that time, you could go to the the Cineplex, and you know, be be assured that any basically throughout any time of the year, you're going to find something worth watching. Yeah, it was a it was a hell of a year for movies. Yeah, and also I was born then. So, uh, but unfortunately, it was not a great night on August eighteenth, nineteen eighty four, for an Albuquerque police officers, Vic Webb and Rick Foley. Um, so these guys who were like not ordinarily partners, uh, they I don't remember who was initially. Maybe it was Rick Foley. He was he was going to go serve a. Uh, bench warrant to this woman who was wanted for fraud. And so uh, Vic Webb decides to come along 
because you need you need backup. You probably shouldn't be serving a warrant by yourself. You don't really know what you're working walking into. Yeah. And if you're the Los Angeles Police Department, you bring the entire SWAT team apparently <laughs> punch warrant. Anyway, um, but I digress. So officers Webb and Foley they go to this really really seedy place. Gary's game room. Really grimy. <laughs> Gary's game room, just real disgusting kind of stuff. And I love a dive bar the next as much as the next person. This is just like real icky. It is like you can kind of smell it through the television. It yeah, it is it is not like a very appealing looking place. I mean, at first when they walk into the pool hall, I was kind of like, wait, did they just walk into someone's own game room that happened to have like two two pool tables and that's it? But they. The, when the camera moves around, you see that they are actually in a commercial building and it is, yeah, it, it is like bathed in a disgusting purple light. Um, it just looks, uh, it, it is minimalistic and yet at the same time, disgusting. <laughs> usually, mm-hmm. usually if something's minimalistic and it like, I, I mean, I often kind of equate emptiness to cleanliness you know, like like an empty house before mm-hmm. people move in and mm-hmm. just you know trash it. But yeah, this this place is both em- empty and dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So officers Webb and uh, you know in the reenactment they're kind of like you know and the people stop playing pool the record comes off the or the needle comes off the record goes because the cops walk in and they're like what do you guys want what are you doing here and they're like well we're trying to serve a warrant for this woman the woman's name is never mentioned and it really doesn't matter um so they're trying to like you know go pick her up and they're like oh no won't you look in the back and then so these guys go in the back and for according to the reenactment because god knows what actually happened um a, a guy comes out with a gun and tells the officers to drop their weapons. And then apparently when the cops are trying to flee, you know, it's a really narrow hallway with like some twists and turns and stuff. And it's pretty poorly lit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, you know, the cops are not in a good, not do not have the upper hand in this situation. And apparently the man started firing at the cops. Um, and then, so there was a gunfight where they're trying to get out of the bar uh, Officer Webb, he had a flak jacket on, but he was hit. Um, he was hit in his right arm, and then it severed an artery. And the gunfight before he's hit, like, did you notice mm. how strange this gunfight is? They're shooting, like, both him and and Moody. They they are shooting through the corner of the wall, trying to hit the other per- both of them. Did you know? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Like. They're not aiming like trying. Yeah, it was it was choreographed really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's what I thought at first was just this like weird court. But like, I don't know there, there seemed to be some information dropped. I can't remember, remember precisely, but it seemed to suggest that like they were both deliberately shooting through the corner of the wall, uh, trying hoping mm-hmm. to hit the other person. I guess that makes sense. You don't want to just like walk around the, the corner and get mm-hmm. get black pop around the corner and get blasted. And I guess, I guess, I mean, if these bullets are going through the wall and one of them went through and hit 
uh, web, I guess, I guess it's a sound strategy, but it just looked weird on (laughs) to watch. You don't see that typically portrayed in in movies and whatnot. I think it's probably just, yeah, probably not really reflective of what happened. It's just the set that they had. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Um, but you know, I, I do, I do think unsolved mysteries most of the time does their best effort to be as faithful as they can to the story. Yeah. I, I do think that, but I think this was probably just odd looking. Cause that's, that's, that's the set that they could shoot up for the segment. You know? Um, so officer Webb was wearing his, uh, bulletproof vest or his flak jacket. Um, but he was hit in his shooting arm. And so he had to drop his gun. Um, and so he manages to get out of the bar. Uh, and then, and then full, then Foley is already radioing for assistance. Um, so they only realized afterwards that the suspect had actually picked up Webb's gun when he dropped it. Um, and then, so the suspect gets away. So basically the, the mystery is where is this guy? <laughs> right. His name is Lyle Moody. And he has, he has like a really long rap sheet going back like two decades almost. And, um, so there's there's not a ton of mystery here. Just where is this guy? Can you help us find him? Mm-hmm. And one, one of the little tidbits that they kind of threw in there, <laughs> not solve mysteries, um, is that the person that they were looking, the woman that they were looking for to serve the bench warrant had already been arrested. Oh, wow. And the person, who, the officers or whoever's in charge of that sort of thing had not removed the bench warrant from the computer database. So, so those two officers, because of, an, because of a clerical error, um, went to go serve a warrant uh, for a person who was already ostensibly in jail or being, you know, processed. Wow. Yeah. I, a few months earlier. Like a few months earlier, they had. Oh, gee, I, I didn't even, morning. I didn't c- catch on that it was that 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 much early. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, just what a bad situation that was for all involved that that guy w- did not yeah. take because, like, I mean, because because Moody, like, I mean, obviously he must have thought he he obviously thought they were there for him, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had just like no. played it cool and just been like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, just playing pool. I mean, they they would have just walked. Yeah, there like, wouldn't have been anything. Yeah, they would have just walked around. <laughs> also, and been like, like, where is that woman? <laughs> also, none. Of, I'm I'm sorry. The the um the woman had who had already been arrested. I'm sorry. That might be be coming from the wiki. Maybe they didn't mention it in the segment. But I somewhat recall them just saying it really fast. Okay. But um, according to the wiki, yeah, she'd actually been picked up eighteen months, a year and a half. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so like they, they they go they they look around the whole pool hall she's not there like gosh she must have she must have like fled right beforehand like the two fully and web then spend months trying to crack the case <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well yeah I, I, uh yeah so so, so uh uh, so that happened, uh, in 1984, this episode aired in 1993, uh, Lyle Moody was eventually picked up in New York city in 2002 what? and then he went to jail and now he's out. 
the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you have it. All right. That's that. Uh, Spe- moving right along. Speaking of people who, who, yes. went, who went into prison and then left. <laughs> yeah. We have, a, we have a special alert. A special alert. I guess these are happening now. Yeah. I, this is a regular that, thing. This is a thing now, which, I mean, in contrast to the first segment, which... You know, it didn't have a call to action, but there was reenactments. These special alerts are basically mm-hmm. just calls to action with no reenactments. We just basically get footage mm-hmm. of of the real life Richard McNair, who is a uh, prisoner. They show footage of him participating in one of those sort of scared straight things where they bring troublesome mm-hmm. teens to like find out what prison's really like. Yeah. Hey, Robbie, did you know that there's no Dairy Queen, no McDonald's, and no Burger King in prison? Man. <laughs> because that's what I learned. <laughs> he he really emphasized that point. And, you know, yeah. the thing was, is I became distracted for, for a few moments after that because the, the, the order he listed them in made me suddenly realize, holy shit, he's right. There's a, there's a Burger King and a Dairy Queen. There are two monarchs. In the fast food yeah. pantheon. Well, it goes it goes deeper than that, Robbie. What? Because there's a jack in the box. Oh, so he'd be kind of like so the, the court you have gesture. King, Queen, Jack. Okay, Jack. Yeah. Um, you have like all your face cards. Face? You're sh- represented. Shit, you're right. Uh, do <laughs> is there an ace somewhere in that? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Well. <laughs> I mean, if, if 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 we're including five guys as fast food, or or, mm-hmm. or just a, I don't know a dining there out restaurant, that's that's the, that that's five. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I can't really figure out, what, but yeah, <laughs> weird fast food and alan card playing analogies aside, um, Richard McNair mm-hmm. he was described as a model prisoner, always kind of polite. Um, he edited the prison newspaper uh it's always weird when i hear about things like prisons have a newspaper like it's like what like the school paper mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um the, yeah there's no reenactment we just get real life footage of him we get sort of like some um supplemental fo- footage of the prison yard with the overlapping uh, audio of them describing how he, you know, him and uh, a couple of uh, uh, fellow escapees, they they made the they found a vent in the roof that they were able to get into. They went through that, made their way through the razor wire and around some other stuff, and managed to uh, managed to escape. And the mm-hmm. the other guys got caught, but Richard was still on the loose. Um, they think he may have stolen some. Some truck belonging to some co- <laughs> repair company or something. We get like some nice real mm-hmm. life footage of what I su- assume is just like a real member of that company walking out into his truck, getting in and driving off. <laughs> so is there any update? I can't remember. Was there an update? They caught him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they caught him. Yeah, yeah they caught him. Yeah. Um, so this this aired, obviously, They it was a uh, Veterans Day episode, so it aired in November of... Um, oh, weird. I just said the last one aired in 1993, the first time. 
which means it wasn't originally a part of this episode. Weird. Because this aired in 1992. Yeah, I think this... this I didn't realize how sliced up this these episodes had gotten, but now I'm realizing they're probably pretty cut up from how they originally aired. Um, anyway, so that was in November of 1992 when they aired the episode. He was picked up in December of 1992 when they found the truck that he had um, stolen. Uh, oh, he wasn't picked up in December of 92. It wasn't until July of 1993 he was uh, arrested again. And then they returned him back to North Dakota. And then part of the update was in 2006, he escaped from prison again. Um, and then they captured him in Canada in 2007. And then they and now he's serving two life sentences. Because oh. I guess um, that makes them real mad. When you escape, <laughs> escape prison yeah, too many times. I guess so. I wonder if there's some kind of like clause in the justice system or at least the penal system where where like, you know, if you successfully escape enough times, they're just like, you know what? You win. <laughs> well, <laughs> we haven't built a prison that can keep you. <laughs> you well, just win. Well, I, guess. I mean, maybe maybe it works like in uh, THX one one three eight. The did you ever see? Uh-huh. Did you ever see that one? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, that's, I didn't know. That's like George Lucas's first yes. movie, though, right? Yes. Uh oh oh um. Yeah, I haven't hmm. seen it. I don't know if I should. Well. I have a feeling that if you did sit down to watch it, you would kind of like turn it off halfway through. It's okay. so, so uh, you, do you, do you mind if I spoil anything? Or that? No, okay. Go ahead. Now the movie's been out longer than we've both been alive. Yeah. Spoil yeah. It. It's fine. <laughs> but then we've both been alive combined. <laughs> no. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. No. It was a silent yeah. film. Uh, yeah. No, uh, it's, uh, in the the last act of the film, Robert Duvall's character is being chased um, by like a couple of robot uh, policemen, and you know this chase has been going on a while. It's been going through because they they live underground. And they've been going through the, the the exterior of the city and all this other stuff, and and it's like um, j- there's there's a point where like his car's crashed. He's 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 like he's sort of stuck on top of a. Um, he's ascending a ladder um, and he's kind of like, he's on the verge of being captured, right? These two robot policemen are just like rapidly ascending the the ladder towards them. But then like in some bureaucratic office, like the, 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 the budget for, um, uh, to, 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 for, uh, for chasing and apprehending him. Like they they've they've both exceeded mm-hmm. the budget and exceeded like the the little like cushion extra for the budget, so the robot policemen just stop mm-hmm. on the ladder, <laughs> and then that's how Robert De- Robert Duvall is able to escape. It's just because the, the 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 chase after him just went ended up costing too much. So they just gave up because yeah. of a ladder. Well, well, it's just like that. Not necessarily the ladder. It could have been going down a hallway. It's just at some point, like they reached the, the you know, like we can't expend any more money on this. So the robot policemen just stop, and they're just asking them to come come back because <laughs> they can't. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not allowed to go any further. It's because like one one of the. I mean, that, that's one of the things. It's like there's there's like 
uh, their society, like all the like bureaucratic stuff and whatnot is like so divorced from like what's really going on and, and whatnot that like their society, the society, the futuristic, mm-hmm. this futuristic society is just really screwed up and dysfunctional in a lot of ways. And it turns out one of those ways enables Robert Duvall to escape. It's a, it, it's a, it's a fun film. I, I actually like, I think it's like, I mean, there, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's problems with it, but like, like for me, it is like, I, it's actually the George Lucas, like it is the George Lucas film. I respect the most because he mm-hmm. like, he wanted to make this movie a certain way and tell a certain like story and do it like this and, you know, make it in such a way that no, like, like most people would not even want to watch this movie. And so for that, I, I actually like, I respect him <laughs> like, like more than, than anything wow. else. Um, so he, he made him, I don't know. That kind of seems like George Lucas's thing is to make decisions about films that are openly hostile to the viewing audience, but um. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but but I mean, yeah, I you've just you've just had THX one one three eight ruined for you audience at home. I'm glad. I'm I'm sorry sorry about that, but um, uh, yeah, uh, Richard McNair escaped, captured, caught, captured, escaped <laughs> caught. again, caught, yeah, again, in prison forever, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, it wasn't robots chasing him. It was uh, the long arm of the human law. And you can't escape that forever. Unless you do. Yeah. But anyway. Um, hey, we got to go to we gotta go to Florida now. I don't really want to. No offense, Florida. It just seems really sweaty. But we got to go there. This is a really short segment unfortunately because i think it actually was pretty interesting um but because we spent so much of this episode on whatever that uh pow story was at the beginning there's a uh man who he's going out hunting in bell glade florida in some sugarcane fields now i don't i'm not familiar beyond like that alligators live in florida um I'm not really familiar with what he would be hunting for in a sugarcane. I don't know. I also didn't know that sugarcane was growing in Florida. So I'm like learning a lot about Florida yes. in this segment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Antonio, uh, he's out there. He's he's doing some quote unquote illegal hunting again. Don't know what he's hunting for, but he comes across this scene Um through, he's looking through the sugarcane where he sees uh, two men who are speaking Spanish, um, uh, like threatening and sort of harming this young woman. And, um, you know, he he sees a, a murder committed. And, uh, you know, Antonio allegedly only waits a week before calling the cops because he was, uh, you know, who knows what Antonio's immigration status is. And also he was not really supposed to be out there hunting, but you know, he realizes the right thing to do is report the murder because that's what he saw. So he says that he waits a week, but interestingly when the cop and he says, he also saw it happen behind a building that was shaped like an ice cream cone. And I was like, yeah, right. He's making this up, but sure enough in the reenactment, there it is. Belle Glade, Florida ice cream mm. shop. 
there's a building shaped like an ice cream cone and there's a sugar cane field behind it. So the cops go out there on this tip and sure enough, they find uh, the body of Rebecca Young. And she had been murdered. The state that they say that the body was in, though, was that it was so decomposed as to the point of becoming, like, mummified. And so in order to ID her, they could only pull fingerprints off one finger, which kind of throws into question, did Antonio really wait just a week? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know what the decomposition rate versus Florida weather is. It's probably quite fast, I would imagine, because of the humidity. But I also am like, "Mm, that doesn't add up. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That had me confused as well. But uh, at any rate, um, the man, Antonio, who gave the tip to the police, he had called from a payphone and he had said, you know, based on the accents that the men were speaking Spanish and one of them appeared to be Cuban and one of them appeared to be Mexican. Uh, This poor girl was killed with a machete. Um, the cops suspect there's something going on maybe with what, with her boyfriend or somehow involved and they go to talk to the boyfriend, but the boyfriend's never charged with anything because they can't make any connections. So basically my understanding at the end of this, cause this is a really short segment. The, the, at the end of the segment is they are looking for Antonio to question him further or they're, and, or they're also looking for any information about those two men that may have killed jessica or excuse me rebecca young i mean did you understand it that way i couldn't really tell what they were asking for were they looking for the murderers or were they looking for antonio (laughs) i think i think it's kind of um it kind of seems like they don't know exactly yeah because they i mean they i i think they were they they added on the thing about antonio because they're like maybe maybe if we could just talk with them we might he might mention something else he didn't mention in the phone call that might provide some some additional mm-hmm. information or something. Um, I don't know. Like though, I don't think I don't, I don't think Antonio is going to come forward. He he kind of sees. <laughs> I mean, he, he his actions are entirely in keeping with with what I would be be like because because they mentioned he was illegally hunting there. Uh, so right. like, yeah, which is why he waited yeah. to tell the cops. He, I mean, he, he basically he yeah. hid when like the, the, the guy showed up uh, to, to commit the murder. Uh, he waited and then made the phone call. I don't think I don't think he's going to rush to come forward and, and allow himself to be identified. Um, it's because mm-hmm. I mean, we all. Yeah, I because I I similar in, in similar circumstances, I I think I would have the same level of being afraid. It's kind of like I know I mentioned the podcast Viewmasters a lot on here, but they have this running trope where they talk mm-hmm. about um, like in a die as we mentioned with Bruce Willis earlier, like in a Die Hard type situation, we all kind of imagine mm-hmm. like to fantasize that we would be John McClane, but. In actuality, mm. we would most likely be like Ellis. Hans, Ruby! <laughs> I have information. Please, let me give it to you. <laughs> I'm cooperating. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not... I've never thought I would be John McClane in that situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, so that's, yeah, there's no update on this, yeah. this one. I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess they were just asking for any information right. of anyone that knew anything. It's not, it doesn't really matter what they're asking for, but there's, you know, anyone, but there's no update. That sucks. So. Yeah, that is, that is sucks. Uh, hey, Robbie, what should people do if they want to get in touch with us uh, over here? At the, go at the to uh, at reenacted pod on Twitter or send us emails at reenactedpod at gmail.com. Uh, go on Facebook. Just type in the name of the podcast. You'll probably find something. Um, uh, go mm-hmm. on iTunes. Please give us five stars. <laughs> Yeah, that would be. And if you don't want to give five stars, just don't leave. Yeah, a that, that's, that's that's also too. an option. Yeah, that, that, about, that, that's about your day. <laughs> yeah, just go on with your life. It's fine. Um, you can also, if you want to help us keep this um, choo-choo train on the tracks, you can go to support our Patreon. Um, that is patreon.com slash reenacted pod. From time to time, we drop little treats on there. Recently, we released, uh, I think it was episode 85, two weeks in advance of the regular feed. So if that is something you are interested in doing is getting, um, you know, episodes ahead of time. Uh, I definitely owe the Patreons. We have a special episode we recorded a million years ago that I need to put, I need to edit and put up there. Um, I think you're going to like that. And then sometimes, you know, no promises. Robbie will send you a little fun treat, but no promises yes. on that. But it has happened. Okay. People will. People are saying that that is a thing that has happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you want, should wrap up uh, this uh, very special Memorial Day episode, Robbie. If you want to do the thing, join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs>